let's make our confession. We make this, if you're visiting with us, I'll, I'll say it and you can repeat after me, okay? The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Now turn to somebody and say, it's so simple. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. We'll give this worship team a big hand today. God is um, moving in our midst. And, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And uh, the Bible says in, in uh, the word, I think it's in Isaiah, that, that God inhabits the praises. Everybody say inhabits. He inhabits the praises of his people. And so when we praise God, it's just automatic that heaven shows up. It's not something that we have to make happen. It's our praises just bring it into the earth. And so uh, I encourage all of you that when you're in the hardest times, find a way to begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Begin to praise him, begin to thank him. And he will show up, not because that, that you're doing the right thing to, to please him necessarily, but because he promises in his word, if you praise me, I'll show up. How many of you need God to show up sometimes? I need to go, God to show up almost every day in a lot of situations. Amen. Uh, this, today we're going to share a word, and I know it's going to be a little bit different, but um, it's a word that will help us. Uh, in the first service, God just moved really mightily in people's lives, and, and I believe it's for this one too. I, I didn't talk with Jen about the worship, but a lot of the worship is what God wants to do today, and that's break chains in people's lives. But I'm going to tell you uh, what I felt God showed me, and then you can appropriate it to your life. I believe it will break bondages. It will break uh, thought processes. It'll change your life if you will hear today this word. And this is the word. I was always on my mind. See, it got the same response in the first service. You know, there's a, a song by uh, Willie, Willie Nelson. <laughs> I know these guys from my husband. And, uh, you know, it was, you were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. <laughs> I have to hold my nose to do it. He does it naturally. I tried to get Pastor Bill to do it because he sings it. Uh, he can sing it, and he sings it much better, I think, but he wouldn't do it. So, hallelujah. But the song says, maybe I should have loved you more than I could have. Maybe I should have treated you better than I should have. And then he goes on and he says, maybe I was blind. And then he says... But you were always on my mind. Well, no, no, no. If you were always on his mind, it was more like I was always on my mind and didn't do what I could have done. Amen. And uh, as I was thinking about this, the Lord said to me, wasteful living. Now, we have a choice. We can live a fruitful life or we can live a wasteful life. But when we're always on our own mind, uh, we, we'll be in a position to waste our life. And it's not that, you know, you shouldn't be on your mind to take a bath you know, or a shower or brush your teeth, those kind of things. But I'm talking about, I was always on my mind, uh, thinking about, well, what's happening to me? Well, what about how can this work better for me or how can this be better? I don't understand why everybody else always has it better than I have it better. Everybody say always on my mind. And when we're always on our mind, it becomes a, a, a trap, becomes a place where people get locked up and they don't get free. And the reason I can preach this is because I lived there. I lived there uh, a good deal of my life, uh, always thinking about myself or my children or my life, my 
little group here that I have to take care of. And I thought that it was okay because we're supposed to be responsible and we're supposed to uh, consider things and look at things. And that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about when things become excessive and our mind gets totally absorbed with ourselves and our own situations. And uh, I believe God gave me this word for everybody that's here today. Maybe it won't be for you, but it's somebody you know. And people get trapped in it, and they don't realize the, the dead end that they're on. That street has no exit. Uh, you know, it's a, a place where there's no way to get out. And it becomes so consuming that after a while, we don't even know we're doing it. We just, it just becomes a part of our life. Um, and this is the scripture. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter tw- uh, 6, verse 25. Jesus is talking to the disciples, giving them instructions on living a life, basically. It's not, it's not a big revelation of some spiritual thing. It's just uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are called the Beatitudes. It's a, it's a time where Jesus just sat his disciples down, began to share with them about how they were to live their life as a, a, a person who is trusting in God, a person who's put God first. If you're going to live for God, this is how we, we'll need to live. And so this is what it says in verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, and this is Jesus speaking, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, or your body, or what you put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then he goes on, he says, look at the birds of air. They they sow, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Now that, in, in my Bible, it explains that. It says, uh, by worrying, you'll grow 17 inches. That's a cubit. Uh, How many of you know if you look in a mirror all day, you're not going to grow? I mean, no matter uh, how much you wish you would grow, I mean, there's a point where you just don't grow anymore. I've said oftentimes if I could be about four inches taller, I would be the perfect weight. You know, so if I could grow, you know, rather than stop eating, I just want to grow four inches because that would be easier. But, you know, growing isn't going to happen because I wish it or think it or look on it. You know, it's I can't add to that by worrying about that. And when I read this uh, back when God helped me in 1979, it's when he totally changed my life. Uh, It said in the King James Version, which is the version I was reading, do not take thought for your life. Now, if I was taking thought for my life, I was always on my mind. Uh, And I thought I should be always on my mind because I was a single mom. I had three children. I had to make sure there were groceries. I had to make sure I worked every day, had to make sure that I took care of my kids and made sure they had everything they needed. So I was always on my mind. How many of you know, if you just think about your own household, you could be on your mind yourself all the time on your mind all the time but when we're in that place if we continue in that we never really fully do what God's asking us to do and a lot of those things I would say a good percentage of those things are things we can't fix anyway but they're still on our mind and so it just continually keeps us thinking about ourselves it goes on and says uh, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into an oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. 
Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. Everybody say seek. A person who's seeking something is uh, earnestly after something, and they don't really get off it until they can get it. And so if they don't get it, they're still thinking about getting it. So they're earnestly seeking that thing. He said, why do you do that? The Gentiles do that. Your heavenly father knows you need all these things, but seek first. Everybody say seek first, seek first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Well, you know, when you're a single mom, you have three children, you, you put down your income and your outgo and there, there's more outgo than there is income. And you're 700 miles away from any family. And you're thinking, God, how am I going to do this? And God says to you, take no thought for your life. It's like, what? Well, if I don't think about it, who will? You know, I don't see anybody else. These kids are not going to think about it. Uh, You know, they're just thinking about what they want or what they need or what they don't have and they should have. And uh, as as I began to think about that, and I I was concerned about those things. What are we going to eat? Because when I would go to the grocery, I had to I had to buy just enough hamburger to make everybody one. You know, I didn't have extra money. I had $35 a week for groceries. Now, I'm not 100, but I am older. And so back in the day when I was doing this, things didn't cost as much as they do today. But in percentages, I was in a place where it was very short, more than it was over. I had under. And so these three things, what are you going to eat? That was, that was important to me. And, and what are you going to wear? I mean, how many of you know you have to buy clothes? And you have to buy shoes for kids. And how many of you know shoes don't last very long with kids? And the clothes, they never fit the next guy down. You know, this guy's skinny, this guy's not skinny, so then what are you going to do? You can't even do that. And so all these things were practical to me. They were practical. And God said, take no thought for your life. And so I had to ask God, what does that mean? He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Then I had to ask, what's that mean? And he began to take me through scripture and he had me, you know, write scriptures. I would, I have notebooks at home, little steno pads where I would write on the scripture piece, all the scriptures that had to do with peace. I would write them. That was one of the first ones he gave me peace because I needed peace. You know, sometimes we say, God, give me peace. He says, get a steno pad and write all the scriptures in the Bible in peace. I don't have time for that kind of peace. You know, I'm, I'm, I was always on my mind. I'm always on my mind, God. Instead, my mind began to get on the word and the word and the word and the word that's called seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that word began to work in my life. But I had to get myself off my mind. I had to get my circumstance off my mind. You know, it says in my Bible that that word worry or, you know, in in the King James, it would be thought, take no thought. The word suggests a distraction or a preoccupation. Now, I've had my husband share this word lots of times about don't worry about marimno and and casting your care on the Lord. But I want to tell you today, there's a place people get to where they cannot cast their care. I'm just saying. Uh, You know, the devil is defeated and he has no authority over us. Uh, We have authority over him, actually. But when we do not use the word of God and live the word of God, there is a point where the devil will not have authority over you, but he will have a hold on you. And he can get such a strong hold on your life that you begin to not see to know that you are trapped. 
and I did not know I was trapped. I was always trying to fix my situation. I was always on my mind. And what it meant was at night, I hardly slept. I mean, I was on my mind almost 24-7. Some nights it was 2, 3 in the morning before I'd fall asleep, and then I'd be back awake at 6, and I still didn't know how to fix it. So, but what happened was he took me to the word and he began to pour that word in my life and began to change me. And I was no longer on my mind. I say 1979 is the year that God saved me. I actually got saved in 1974, but 1979 is the year he healed me. Everybody say healed. He healed me. And through this, I'm going to share with you today. He just spoke this to me not very long ago down at the river again. I didn't realize I had kind of tended to go that way again. You know, when you've been away and God has delivered you, the devil will come to steal that. And he does it in such a seductive way you don't even know. But I suddenly realized, oh, I, I have caught him. Amen? It's good to catch the devil. Because when you catch the devil, you can throw him out. If you don't know he's there, you're, you're hobnobbing with him and don't even know that he's got a hold of your mind. Anyway, so this is what it says. Preoccupation, extreme or excessive concern with something. Um, selfish, goes right with it. Having or showing concern only for yourself and not for the needs or feelings of others. That's what happens when you get too much. I was always on my mind, so I couldn't think about you. Maybe I could have, should have, would have, but I was always on my mind. And so that's what happens. In James 3, it says that um, when we're self-seeking, when we're self, all those words that say self and then a word after it, self-seeking, when we're seeking after those things, whatever it is that we're seeking after, when we get so caught up in it, it becomes a snare. It actually, it says it's not the wisdom of God, it's evil. It, it becomes an evil thing that starts taking place. Well, anything that has evil on it is from the devil it's from the devil he's got the the evil in his own name devil that evil's in there and what happens it becomes uh, a thing where we're totally consumed with ourselves jealousy envy strife and all those things only grow the more we think about ourselves the more we think about well i can't believe they did that to me and then our, we're always on our mind again and we can't get that off our mind until we can get them not to do that. How many of you know some people are never going to treat you nice? I read in Joyce Meyer's book that there's always 10% of the people who will not like you. Turn to your neighbor and say, get over it. Because it's going to happen. Now, I don't like that. My husband says that to me all the time. That's how come I know that statement. Get over it, Pam. Because it, I like people to like me. But 10%, she said, of the people will never like you. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you and that you're not just okay with God because people are fickle and they change their mind all the time. So when we get into self-seeking, it's not God's wisdom. And it's followed by God said to me, uh, this kind of thing I was always on my mind is self-destructive. It doesn't need help from anybody else. It's going to happen from within. It's going to happen by our own choice of words and things that we believe. Um, I want you to look at Exodus 16, 3. You know, the children of Israel were very selfish. They came out of uh, Egypt and God delivered them. I mean, they had just seen all of the Egyptians drown in the sea, but you know, they were worried about what they were going to drink. They were worried about what they were going to eat. They were worried about, I'm sure what they were going to wear because in Deuteronomy, God says your clothes didn't wear out. Did they? 
So I know they were worried about these things that it talks about in Matthew 6. And the children of Israel said to, to Moses, oh, that we had died. They were always on their mind that much. By the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Why? If you're going to die, at least die in freedom. Don't die in bondage. That's pretty dumb. When we sat at, and listen, when we sat by the pots of meat, food, and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> now, isn't that kind of ridiculous? I mean, after they've just seen God destroy their enemies, they're all worried about hunger. Just before this, it was water. I mean, they were always concerned. When you get to Numbers eleven fifteen, this is what they said. Oh, and they're having a pity party all about me. I was always on my mind. Here it is. Oh, that we would have died in Egypt. I remember the fish, the cucumbers. This is food. The melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic we wanted. And now we don't have any of that. Just this horrible bread and these birds that fly around and die overnight, and we eat those. But we don't have what we remember. I was always on my mind. That's exactly that kind of thing. And what did it produce? Destruction. None of them inherited the promised land. Not a one of them. And what God began to show me was, and, and in 79, I didn't know this much because I didn't know this much word. But in 79, I, I was at such a point in my life of desperation that I did what God told me. And I started not thinking about myself because I filled myself with the word of God instead. In other words, I did what God said and not what I thought would help. And I don't know how God helped, but I know I got out of that mess only because God delivered me from that situation. And he healed me. He healed me really of a broken heart. And God began to speak to me that this issue oftentimes is a broken heart. It can be many things, but it can be a broken heart. You know, I was thinking about Saul, how God made him the king. And, you know, as soon as he made him king, Saul immediately did the opposite of what he was told to do. And, and he did things because he said, well, the people got upset with me. You know, people pleasing is, is just because you're thinking about what's going to happen to you. It's not about the people. It's about what's going to happen to me. And, and then he blamed the people. It was the people's fault. You know, people who think about themselves all the time, it's everybody else who's wrong after a while. They're never wrong. Have you ever met somebody like that? Have you ever been that person? You know, I mean, it's like, well, you know, I, I'm thinking about what they did to me. And they did that. And, uh, and they were wrong. They were all wrong. How many of you know if you're wrong with so many people, you've got to look at the common denominator? Well, that's enough said there. I think you got that figured out. Okay. And, uh, and then there was Numbers 12 where Miriam and Aaron, uh, who were Moses' siblings, that was his sister and his brother. And, and, and they decided they didn't like the lady he married. Well, you know, they didn't have to live with her. I don't know why they were upset. It doesn't say, but they didn't like it. And then they began to say, well, who's Moses. Who is Moses? Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? I was always on my mind. And the Lord heard it. Next thing, Miriam has leprosy. Everybody say, don't go there. See, what happened was that they ended up self-destructing because of I was always on my mind. Well, what about us? Why, are we, why don't we get to be that person? You know, when we are thinking about ourselves all the time, there's not even a place for God 
to get in sometimes and tell us, you are missing the boat. You are missing it. Because we get so consumed with ourselves, we don't even think about him after a while. And uh, it says in Luke 18, this is the one that um, I just, this story I think is so tragic for this young man because it, it's about a rich young ruler. Everybody say rich. Now, you know, a lot of people may not have wealth as far as money, but they have a life they love. And so it is all about them. It's just about, it doesn't mean that they're real wealthy. Uh, My husband and I were driving by the river. I don't know why this comes to me, but uh, we were up. Well, we were lost, actually, but we found our way out. Hallelujah! I was with Pastor Bill. We're never lost. We're just we're just enjoying the view, but we don't know where we are while we're enjoying it. And um, and I'm asking him questions. Of course, he doesn't know any of the answers to those questions. It's just somewhere in this vicinity. And so we're down by the river. Now, you know, these people are not wealthy people. I can tell by the, the houses and things. And but they are enjoying their life. Okay. And God sometimes wants to have them do something. But I was always on my mind. I had to go fishing. You know, I I like down here because it's quiet. Nobody's around. Nobody's bothering me. Everybody say, I was always on my mind. And what happens is a lot of people are missing that opportunity that God has for their life. Now, I'm going to learn. I'm going to go back to fishing. I used to bait hooks for my aunt. Uh, quarter a throw she was scared of worms and so uh you know i made a lot of money off that lady those those fish that eat her worms she never could catch the fish they just ate her worms i just keep baiting her hook quarter 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 but i think i'm going to take up fishing so i'm not against fishing but i'm saying that it has nothing to do with money it has to do with something that's more important to us about us than what's important to the Lord for that situation. And it, it says here that he, he told the Lord, oh, I've done all those things. You know, I keep the commandments. I, I'm doing those things. All these things I have kept from my youth. You know, he was really proud of himself. So when Jesus heard these things, he said, well, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful. He started singing that song. I was always on my mind. This isn't going to fit with what I want to do or who I want to be or my lifestyle. Amen? I know this may sound silly, but God, when God gave this to me, said, wasteful living, you can choose selfishness or surrender. Everybody say surrender. And that surrender is to Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about getting saved because when we get saved, we, we surrender. And, you know, I mean, we, we, give up, we give up our destiny of hell and we get to go to heaven. I mean, salvation is all about us getting the best of the deal. Amen. But surrender, I'm talking about when we surrender our life. Uh, it says in Matthew, is it, no, Luke 17, is that where it is? Whoever seeks it to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. Everybody say preserve, preserve their life. You know, there's something about, uh, cause God said to me, surrender is truly self-preservation. Self-preservation is not in selfishness, which we think it is. We think when we're thinking about ourselves, Hey, you know, I'm, I've, I've got this, I'm safe. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge. I, I'm, I've got a hold of this, but truly it's when we surrender that we're safe. It's not when we're thinking about ourselves that everything's okay. It's when we're thinking about Jesus that everything becomes 
Okay. And so if you look at the scripture, uh, just Jesus, I mean, he, he surrendered his life and he made it okay for you, for me. He preserved our lives for heaven when he gave up his. And uh, when Dan shared this morning, next, next week I'm going to finish this with fruitful living. You know, today I felt like God said the first thing that has to happen is people have to surrender in order to get out of selfishness. That's the first step. The second step is to live a fruitful life after you're out. You know, how many of you know people who are saved, but I mean, really, their life doesn't look like they're, they're, they're just barely saved. How many of you know some barely saved people where, you know, they're just, I mean, they're saved, but nothing in their life really shows fruit of salvation. There's, there's salvation and then there's the fruit of that salvation. I believe God wants the church to be fruitful in the day we're living in. And the reason we're in the mess we're in with abortion and all these things that are happening is I was always on my mind. That's, that's why, we, you know, we, we can't make a law that get people off their own selves. How, how many of you know there's a law that says don't think about yourself? No, there's laws that say think about yourself. Think about you. Think about do you really want to have this baby? No. Do you really want to have sex? Oh, yeah. But I don't want to have a baby. Everybody say, I was always on my mind. I'll just add that. That wasn't even in my notes. Hallelujah. But I believe God's noting it. And this is a very selfish world that we're living in. Very selfish world. My parents went through the depression. And my mom, the other day, I was taking her Logan Sports. She leaned over and she said, you know, I made up my mind, honey, that if I ever had money, I was going to make sure you girls and Tom had everything you wanted. That was really sweet of her. But then I grew up, my kids thinking, you can have anything you want. Mommy, you'll get it. And then that next generation comes and says, I get anything I want because I deserve it. I'm entitled to that because that's the way they grow into their thinking. And, and, And so then when they don't get it, they feel like somebody did them wrong. And then they get offended and they get locked up in, I was always on my mind. Exactly. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. And God wants us to escape that cycle. You know, Esther said, if I perish, I perish. That, that's, that's selfless. But that was self-preservation. Because if you look at it, God preserved her, preserved her nation. Everybody say preserved. He kept everything okay. Because somebody said, I don't care about my life. I take no thought for my life in that place. I cannot tell you that's what God did for me. And he set me free, totally set me free in 1979 of a fear that I would never be taken care of. But he did it like this. Give your clothes away. We're going to talk about this next week. Give your clothes away and I'll give you clothes. See, God has a system of getting things to us, but it's not. I was always on my mind. It was, I was always about his business and he was about mine. And he took care of everything. And that's where God wants us to get to. You know, um, as a Ruth, when her husband died, her, her, mother, her mother-in-law's husband died, and she had a choice to go back to her people or go with her mother-in-law. And her mother-in-law said, go back to your people. It'll be better there for you. She said, no, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Whatever you need, I'm going to be there for you. And, you know, out of that, she became a woman in the lineage of Christ. She had... Uh, she, her, the great granddaughter, great grandson was David. 
is it great or grandson? I can't remember in the generation. But it came out of that relationship that she ended up in because she followed her mother-in-law, not what she wanted. We are living in a day where we get that choice, and I believe God is saying it's time to stop wasteful living. Everybody say wasteful. Wasteful living. And this is the scripture uh, that I want to finish. It's in Luke 15, and it's called the prodigal story about the prodigal son. Most of you may know that story, but it was a young man who decided that he knew what was best, and he told his father, give me my inheritance, and and I'm out of here, basically. And he went on his own. And after he got out there, it says not many days, this is in Luke fifteen thirteen. not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he journeyed to a far country. There he wasted his possessions. Then it says with prodigal living, which that word means wasteful, with wasteful living. But then he woke up. Everybody say he woke up. He woke up and he saw himself. And it says when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Isn't it funny that some when God puts things together it all, all, you know, the Israelites were worried about hunger. This guy's now worried about hunger. You know, there's a place God can get you where he gets your attention, you know, and when we're in that place, it's time to. Wake up or hear what God's saying, that we are not our own sufficiency, that our sufficiency is in him. And when, when that's exactly what happened in my life, only it says this young man ran back to his father's house, and that's how he was taken care of. When we run to the father's house, we'll be taken care of, totally taken care of, and we'll have no lack. Um, I was One other thing, because I'm reading in Luke right now, Luke 20, um, remember when they wanted to trick Jesus and they said, you know, yo taxes you know, uh, are you going to pay your taxes? And Jesus said, well, whose image is on that coin? And they said, well, Caesar's. And he said, well, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And it was like the Lord said to me, my image is stamped on you, my image. So give yourself to me and I'll take care of you. And that's what I say to you today. We have to, we have to yield ourselves to the things that God wants to do. And uh, I felt today, uh, besides just for, you know, situations maybe where maybe there's selfishness and I wished I had this car or I wished I had a nicer house or those kind of things, I felt God wanted to minister to this because when I first heard this, I was reading in this Trusting by God or Trusting God Day by Day by Joyce Meyer. Now, I don't know how many of you know, but Joyce Meyer wrote a book called Me, Myself, and I. (laughs) How many of you know that's total thinking about yourself? Me, myself, and I. Well, I listened to those tapes one time, and uh, I found myself in all of them. Have you ever listened to something and found yourself like, I'm going to... Well, you know, I want to leave the meeting, but you can't. You're on a tape. Well, shut the thing off. That's what I'll do. But when you go back, they're still talking about it. Same thing. Well, God uses those things to bring understanding to us. And she had written on March 26th, I was always on my mind. And that's, I felt like God said, preach that. I was always on my mind. And 
and wasteful living. Well, I didn't know wasteful living till I was reading in Luke and saw what I just read you in the prodigal, where it said prodigal living is wasteful living. That means we're just thinking about ourselves because that's what the prodigal was doing. And she says, I, um, all I ever saw when I grew up was selfishness. I had nobody to teach me differently. Had I known to be a giver instead of a taker, I'm sure the early years of our marriage would have been much better than they were. Because of God in my life, I have seen things turn around and old wounds have been healed. But I wasted a lot of years that I can't get back. In stark contrast to the way I was raised, Dave grew up a Christian. His mother was a godly woman who prayed and taught her children to give. As a result of his upbringing, Dave developed qualities. That was her husband I had never seen in my entire life until I met him. His example was amazingly valuable to me. Had he not been patient, which is an aspect of love, I'm sure our marriage wouldn't have lasted, but I thank God it did. I was always on my mind, and nothing changed until I got fed up with my entire life being all about me, me, and more me. He set me free from many things, the greatest of which was myself. I believe God wants to set us free of ourselves today. If you'd stand, I'm going to pray for you today. Um, the scripture she used, and um, I was asking God, what do you want to do tomorrow with this message? And I was headed across the bridge over to pray uh, on, I guess it was Friday morning. And I heard this, Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> you know, there's a song, I think it's one of my husband's, you know, I probably heard it from Elvis sometime when I'm riding with him. But um, I, I thought, Heartbreak Hotel, what, what, what does that have to do with all this? And when I'd read this uh, thing from Joyce, I, I didn't read the scripture she put with it. But uh, I thought, well, Heartbreak Hotel, and I felt like God said, the church should be a place for a heartbroken people to come a heartbreak hotel but they don't stay heartbroken they get set free and heartbreak hotel they don't need anymore amen and uh, i looked in this and what she said was for her scripture for this being set free I, I always think of deliverance and setting people free but it says he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted in the in the in the New King James, it says to heal. Everybody say heal. Now listen, healing and deliverance, all those different things come from God. But you have to know what God is saying about the situation. And God is saying to be set free from yourself, from heartbreak. And a lot of the things people meditate on have to do from a place where they got hurt, where their heart's been hurt, where they, they can't fix something. Have you ever had something happen and you can't fix it, but you find yourself thinking about it? That was, I was always on my mind. And it holds people in captivity. The only way out is healing. He came to heal the brokenhearted. That's why he wants the church to be Heartbreak Hotel, because he's the healer. And when you come into God's presence, you can be healed. It, it, won't, it won't fix, it won't fix the situation necessarily. But it will fix you because it will heal your life. And in 1979, I can promise you, the thing God did in my life was he healed me. He healed me. And the devil had no place to make me scared of not having what I had need of because I knew that he would always take care of me. Now, the things I went through to get there were tests, and I had to trust, but I wouldn't give them up for anything. 
I can look back and say, a single mom, when I was a single mom by myself, 700 miles away from anybody, is when my life was saved by Jesus because he healed me. He healed my heart. And I want to pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for every person who's here. Thank you for the blood of Jesus because it's the blood of Jesus that makes a difference. And I believe the right people are here today. Now, I'm not saying it's everybody, but if you're here today and you say, you know, I've been on my mind a lot of the time and I need God to heal me. Number one, I surrender. And number two, I need to be healed. And if that's you today, would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you today. You know who you are. You know who you are. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Because this this is going to help you go forward. This is going to help you be rooted and grounded in something that will take you on.